This is Wessler Media. For me, I'm a pastor, and I deal with real people, people just like you every day, people that have a hurt or they have something going on, and they're trying to figure out, how do I deal with this? And I always know Jesus has the answer. He has that next step for you. Let's open up the Word today and see what God will say specifically to you. things I love about ministry is the great people I get to meet. And Jennifer and I recently got to meet a missionary, a podcaster, a publisher by the name of Teresa Jansen. Now, the good news is you're going to get to meet her too today on Your Next Step. What I love about this ministry is you and I get to be a part of what God is doing throughout the earth. And today, we want to challenge you to listen to Teresa's story. Jennifer's going to interview her. She's a missionary in South Sudan. Now, what does that mean? That means the world that she's ministering in is vastly different from your and my world. You and I, we're preparing for Christmas, and we feel all these pressures. We've got these ideas of what the perfect Christmas is going to be, but did you know halfway around the world, they have a different idea about what life and perfection is? And sometimes you and I, we need that little bit of a nudge, that reminder that life doesn't have to be the way I imagine it. But what life does need to be is the way God wants it to be for me. So listen in as Jennifer interviews Teresa, and who knows, maybe God will show you what is missing or is not missing from your life and what he really wants to speak to you in this Christmas season. It's Friday, and we're in the midst of a conversation, and you get to be a part of it. I love you. I'm Pastor Doyle. Listen in to Jennifer Jackson and Teresa Jansen. Well, this is an honor. I want to start back at the beginning of your life, how you met the Lord, what he's done uh, to draw you close to him. Well, thank you for that. You know, it's been a journey, absolutely a journey. I was raised in the church pretty much, but not in the way that a, a lot of people probably assume. My parents were divorced, which mm. back in the day was not uh, so common and definitely not popular. And sometimes I think my mom took us to church just so she could get a break. Someone else was watching <laughs> us during Sunday good school. Idea. <laughs> Actually, anytime the church doors were open, at least us kids, we were pretty much there for Awana programs uh-huh. and, and then through youth group, all of those things. And I remember even when I was little, I loved Jesus. Mm. But I really loved Sunday school, memorizing the verses, getting the stars on the chart, all that stuff, Mm -hmm. because I had a real need for people to approve of what I was doing and to affirm me. And that Mm. was something that was really deep-seated somewhere. I had Mm. this need to to get that approval. When I was in third grade, I remember I was in an Awana program, mm-hmm. and someone said, "Did you ask? have you asked Jesus into your heart? And I thought, oh my goodness, I love Jesus. And you mean he's not in my heart? No, I haven't asked him. So Aww. I had to remedy that right away. Cute. And I said that prayer, ask Jesus into my heart. And Aww. yet, when I look back over my life, and if someone were to say, when were you saved? Mm-hmm. It's not something I can really put my finger on. Yeah. Because I don't think it was in that third grade Awana program mm-hmm. when I prayed that prayer, because I don't think that that's really a magic solution. I love Jesus before sure. then, 
but also that love was fueled by something that was mm. a need within myself. Mm. And so over my life, I have found those times of failure, really, mm. yeah. is where God has stepped in and, and mm. grown me. And I know as an adult who's gone through a lot of not great things, you know, I've, and especially a person working in ministry in the church, I've, I've been divorced, mm -hmm. and that is not a great thing. But it was part of the journey of God drawing me closer to, my, to him. Mm -hmm. And it was in those moments where I felt like I had failed and I was mm. destroyed and I didn't meet the approval of all oh. those people I so desperately wanted to meet the approval that I learned to turn to seek God's approval. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And so it's been a process throughout my life. Still is. <laughs> and <laughs> Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And I love, I love that terminology, work out, mm. because that's exactly what the faith journey is and what it's been in my life. No instant mm -hmm. anything. <laughs> right. No, there's not. You know, but when you look back, would you encourage the moms to still do the sticker charts, still take them to church? I think that's important, don't you? I do, yeah. because it's the foundation that I had to draw upon when I started understanding mm -hmm. the love and the grace and the mercy of God. I had that fabulous foundation of memorized scripture oh, to pull out. It's wonderful. Yeah. That Awana is so it is foundational, really. It is. That's good. Yeah. And if you don't have that foundation, you have to develop it at some point in time. Mm -hmm. So I'm very grateful that my mom took me every time the church doors were That's open. Good. And it's not, <laughs> it wasn't easy for her either yeah. because she was, in some ways, she faced some judgment. Sure. And I'm grateful, though, that she did do it and gave me a good foundation so that when I was ready and as I've been ready at various points in my life, I had mm -hmm. something to draw on. Mm, I love that. How old were you when your parents divorced? I was, I don't know, about three, two or mm. three, pretty little. I have very few memories of yeah. my dad. And it's yeah. not that they were divorced and then co-parenting mm -hmm. or anything like that. No, they were divorced and my dad was pretty absent. I yeah. saw him once when I was 13. Mm. And then uh, when I was 18, mm. I went looking for him because I wanted to confront him for all the injustices of being raised in a home that was right. impoverished. I mean, we were poor, really what, poor. What did he say? I mean, um, you know, I just found this sad, lonely old Aww. man who had not a whole lot to show for his life. And um, we began, though, building from that point because Good. that anger that I had towards him God's grace, it just dissipated from that point when I saw Beautiful. he's also a broken person. Mm -hmm. And and that's really, broken people hurt and break other people. Sure. And uh, then when you can learn to forgive and extend mm -hmm. the same grace mm -hmm. that we've received, it makes all the difference. Oh, that's such a beautiful story. I love that. God really worked that out. And well, you, you, you had a piece in it, but I mean, he, that's amazing that he did that for you. That's cool. It is a beautiful story, but you know, Jennifer, it's also a really messy story. Mm -hmm. And those beautiful stories that end up beautiful in the midst of it all, Doesn't it's really like messy and it's really ugly, mm -hmm. actually. Mm -hmm. But God can make really beautiful things come from all of that. Mm -hmm. I love that. Uh, what about a growing in the Lord? I mean, mm -hmm. did you, I mean, to get to that point, you, you must have been, you, so you were 18, you must have been growing in the Lord. Mm -hmm. Were you, um, when, when were you called into missions? And how did you go from an 18 year old reconciling with my dad? to, I mean, that's a lot to see at that age, to see mm -hmm. that I see my dad for, you know, where he's at. And yeah. Forgive him. And yeah. Then, did you go from that to missions or was there space in between? It actually was kind of the other way around. Again, that 
foundation in the church. Every mm-hmm. time the church doors were open, also mm-hmm. every summer summer camp, youth camp. Oh, and I, I didn't that. know it at the time, but there were were scholarships involved. We didn't. We were eating macaroni and cheese for dinner every night. We did not have the money for yeah. church camp. But there were people who gave above and beyond mm. what they needed to to fund a scholarship program that I didn't even know was the reason that every year, every year, I went to church camp. Again, maybe my mom needed a break. I don't know. Whatever it was, I'm grateful. <laughs> mom was grateful yeah. for the break, too. <laughs> but I remember when I was 16 years old, they always had a missionary come in on Thursday night at oh. church camp. And they had this missionary who came from Saudi Arabia to be a missionary in Dearborn, Michigan, to, because there's a large Arab population mm-hmm. there. And it's funny, a missionary from another country to the United States gave this talk. And at the end, a call for people to respond to God's call to be a missionary. And my heart was thudding out of my chest. There was no way I could stay in my seat. It was like this tunnel that led from that spot to that altar at the front. Wow. And I just, I, I can still today see my feet walking down that aisle and saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to That's be beautiful. a missionary. And I didn't know what that meant, really. Yeah. And so when I went back to my cabin that night, I actually mm. cried mm. because I thought, no one will ever marry me. <laughs> <laughs> what if I if sign I'm up a missionary? <laughs> yeah. So I had this huge feeling that I'm sacrificing yeah, everything sure. for the Lord. Sure. You know, that's a great feeling to have, even when it's not reality. Mm-hmm. Because God's reality, we don't know what that's going to be. But my feeling was I sacrificed my life, the opportunity to be loved, the opportunity to be a a mother, all those things Mm. to serve the Lord and respond to that call to missions. That's where my brain was. So when my mom came to pick me up from camp, I told her, I'm going to be a missionary. By that time, I'm excited again. You know, I got over the crying (laughs) and I'm excited. I'm going to be a missionary. My mom didn't know what that meant either. And years later, she told me all she could imagine is me being boiled in a pot somewhere in the jungle. (laughs) Oh, that's great. So she also had this real feeling of sacrifice, you know, but she didn't want to squelch that dream in me. And even today, my mom is my biggest cheerleader. And yeah, she's, she is great. And so I went to college then Mm -hmm. after uh, high school, I went to a Bible college and studied third world relief and developmental missions. I knew that I was headed to an urban or I mean, a rural type of setting, a mm-hmm. developmental setting. And uh, but the, my path still was not straight to the mission field, mm-hmm. even at that time, because while in college, was, again, you're not a mature person, but I had this real need to be needed, need mm. to be loved. That childhood need sure. didn't just go away. And I was supposed to go and serve a missionary family over a summer break. And that ended up not to be a possibility because of a war that broke out in uh, the place I was supposed Mm. to go to. Anyway, I met a man that summer that I did not go on a mission Mm. trip. And I ended up marrying that man. And it turned out to be a really difficult relationship and an an abusive relationship. And uh, so my path to the mission field took a huge Big detour, detour. Yeah. for a lot of years. Mm. And uh, yeah, so. Oh, what I a bummer. <laughs> I know. But <sighs> also, what an amazing, again, an ugly, messy, beautiful thing that God pulls together by the end of it. Because you look at where I am today, 
the amazing man I'm married to today, mm. um, the ministry we have a privilege to be involved in today. And you don't even imagine the messiness that occurred before. In a lot of ways, I forget it. But then I do remember, and oftentimes in the Bible, it always directs us to remember where we came from, because that's where we remember the grace that God has has towards us. Not had, but has towards us. It's a continual walk of grace. And I need plenty of grace even yet today, for sure. Oh, so do I. You know how people always say, well, uh, you went through that so you can minister to others. Is that a catchphrase to you? Or in that messy detour, did, did you find some foundational things that have helped you to minister to others on the mission field? Yes. And it's, again, messy and hard because, you know, honestly, Jennifer, it's not easy for me to be on the show and say, hey, I work in ministry. And by the way, I've been divorced. Oh. Uh, believe me, it's not easy to say. It's humbling. It is humbling. But that's I, a beautiful thing. I think. Mm-hmm, yeah. Well, when we applied to be missionaries, we had to tell our story mm-hmm, over and mm-hmm. over again and have people determine whether or not it was okay. Yeah. Exactly. That's humbling. Sure. And it's a life that we choose as missionaries to let other people have authority and say, Mm. yes, you can or no, you can't. That's not easy for people to do. We like to determine what we're going to do, right? And it's not easy, but it's a choice that we make. And it is really amazingly freeing when people do affirm God's call on your life, Mm -hmm. ultimately. But then also when people maybe have a different viewpoint, it is part of that growth process because we can also see that people are at different places. They have different views and opinions because they're at different places in their life. And I'm not a finished product. They're not a finished product. So I can bless and release it and not feel held in any type of bondage by someone else's opinion of me or my choices, my mistakes, my sins, and God's ability to make it right. And I one of the devotionals I wrote one time that was published was the story of my divorce and remarriage. Now, those are both big things in the church. Sure. And as a person in ministry who did those things, it was a really hard story to write. It's one thing to say it behind closed doors to a mission board, mm-hmm. but it's another thing to put it on paper mm-hmm. and let people read it. And Um, I think it's necessary for people to tell their hard stories because it's God who has redeemed it. It's nothing I have done. There is nothing I can do to change or fix what has happened Mm. in the past. Nothing. But God can. But God. (laughs) But God. (laughs) Right. I love your heart. You know, I think about that often as pastor's wife, I call it life in the fishbowl. Absolutely. It's that way for all leaders, isn't it? It it, is. And it's better to be transparent. It's better to say, hey, I messed up and this is what happened. But God, God can meet you where you messed up. Absolutely. To me, the faithfulness of God in those mistakes is the beauty Mm -hmm. of it. (laughs) As soon as you share it, it's almost like there's a freedom there. Yeah, there is. And it, I think, helps us, too, to go back to Scripture with humility and not presume that we really mm-hmm. understand and know mm-hmm. everything that is there. Because grace is the theme from the very beginning to the very end. And we, you ha- I think we just really have to hold what we uh, do determine with a great amount of humility. And, yeah, and mm-hmm. just really... 
Yeah, look at other people too, not presuming anything. Just be humble and ourselves. offer that mm-hmm. grace to others as well. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. What What are some other ways that you spend time with the Lord mm-hmm. that you grow in the Lord? I mean, I'm sure you read your Bible all the yeah. time. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, what? yeah, for sure. So yeah, I find there's a lot of different ways to grow. So one is being broken. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind mm-hmm. of what we've talked about mm-hmm. so far. That's the hard one. But of course, that building those spiritual disciplines, that is really, really necessary because you're building your resilience for when the hard things happen. Yeah. And you can't wait until, uh, you know, something happens before you get physically strong. So emotionally and spiritually, you have to build those spiritual and, emo- and muscles, which will also feed your emotional muscles. When that, you're healthy, build exactly, those. You have to do it when you're healthy. And there's a lot of different ways to do that gratitude, being grateful, taking a moment to be remember to be grateful for everything you have is really important. And it's easier for me to do because I live in a third world country. I was going to say, what has the third world taught you about gratitude? You know, we got electricity six months ago. Six months ago, we got electricity. It's a game changer when it comes to life. It's not just about light. It's about, I mean, refrigeration. Sure. That is a miracle. Being able to put your food in a refrigerator Mm. and not have to get food every day and what do you do with leftovers and all that type of stuff. It's a game changer. So I come here to the U.S. and there's this so much abundance Mm -hmm. and electricity. You take it for granted that it's going to be there. You can put your toothbrush under the water. Did you know that, Jennifer? Uh, not, you don't have to use a water bottle to, right? to you brush your teeth. You can just put your toothbrush right under the water. Oh, and, water is such a gift, isn't it? Yeah. Clean water. Mm. Mm. You know, when the police pull you over, it's probably because you've done something wrong. It's not because you have to be on guard, wonder what they're going to do, you know? So it's there's a lot of things to be grateful for in the everyday life. But there is also in the third world because there's an amazing... Um, network of people, you really learn how to not be so independent, but to rely on other people and be part of a community. That's a real blessing. For survival even. For survival. Yeah. So do you share things? I mean, what do you, what does community look like there that would be different from the U.S.? Well, that is a, when it comes to women Mm -hmm. in South Sudan, I know we're talking to women in our Mm -hmm. audience, right? I, for a long time, I did not share about my first marriage and the difficulties there and the divorce, because there's a huge presumption about divorce is a big, big problem there. Mm-hmm. And understandably, but we, I was in, I was in the midst of a group of women one time and they were talking about how marriage is mm-hmm. in South Sudan is very different. A lot of marriages are arranged and oftentimes at a very young age, and a woman made this statement, a Christian woman, she made this statement, I don't know why these girls today are objecting so much. You know you're going to marry someone, so just do it. Mm-hmm. Just take the husband that your parents offer. Assign you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And don't make such a fuss about it. You have to marry someone. And when and oftentimes there's um, physical abuse that could happen. Definitely it's a, it can be, you find your fulfillment and really, and a fellowship in other places. It's not your husband necessarily who's your companion. That's not the case all the time. I know some wonderful, loving relationships in South Sudan for sure. But there, are, it, it's not always mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that. And so I really felt led this one time to share what had happened to me. And uh, the women were amazed that it could happen in the United States. 
that you could have that a husband could be abusive to his wife in the U.S. That happens. Do they think know? the U.S. is like a fairy tale land? Yeah, I yeah. bet. I re- even when I was living in the village, my nephew passed away, and I had to come back to the U.S. They were shocked and amazed. You mean a young person in the U.S. Mm. actually could pass away, and that those things happen? Yeah, it does seem like Aww. a fairy tale land because we have so much we in their do. eyes. We do have a lot. And yet some of the things that they have. We're missing. We're missing, absolutely. What are some of those things we're missing, you think, yeah, just, just in general? The, the, the empathy. I'll tell you, I've been sick a few times in South Sudan. People really care about you when you're sick. Mm. They really want to take care of you. And um, that's a humbling Kind of experience. scary place to be sick, too, isn't it? It is a scary place to be sick. You really rely on God. Mm-hmm, for sure. And, and other people. And... Yeah, so you always have someone in the hospital with you because they don't have like a nursing staff to come and bring you food or anything. You have to have Mm -hmm. someone to go get you food. And I've been not long-term in the hospital, but short-term in the hospital by myself. And Mm -hmm. then the people I don't even know who are around me, you know, will help me with the little things that I need that I can't do for myself because there's not not a nurse call button to push. It's just (laughs) another human being who has no interest or or investment in you at all. Do you take their natural remedies? Uh, (laughs) Some things I do, like papaya is good for worms. Papaya Uh seeds are good for worms. Some things I do because I do know. They have lots of those. Right, exactly. Yeah. And they have a lot of wisdom. Mm -hmm. Not all of it is true <laughs> but uh, but some of it is so you can weigh you know all of those things it's just a closer context where you're really dependent on people do the christians there have great faith some do and some are searching for it really searching for it because oftentimes that also can be a life or death situation life or death literally mm-hmm. In South Sudan, oftentimes when I hear people's testimonies, it's when God has intervened to save a life, to rescue a situation in enormous, miraculous ways. And it's not, a, it's not as much of the still small voice maybe we hear here. It's God jumps in and saves the day, you know, almost superhero-like. And people in the midst of war where somehow the bullets don't come and... Uh, people who are on the on their deathbed and their life is saved. And so oftentimes that's where people come to faith and then there's a growth aspect. Uh, there's there is a dangerous side of that too though because then you start seeing God as the one to always rescue and if God chooses not to rescue the way you think he should. Mhm then it can cause a crisis of faith for people or people to try to figure out how how can I make God do what I need him to do? (laughs) I need him to do this. And it might be a real need. Miss part of the show today and want to hear more? Well, you are invited to download and subscribe to Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. When we gather together like this every day, I think it's really important that we we think about how are we inviting God into this situation. So every day, I want to take a little bit of a moment to pray, to ask God to move in our world. You know, life can get crazy. So today, let's pray for God to be our refuge in the storms of life.
Lord, thank you today that you are more than a lifeboat. God, you you rescued us, yes. You have saved us. You you saved us from sin. You you saved us from darkness. We we agree. Lord, we have confessed our sins and you've cleansed us of our sins. But God, you're just our refuge. You know, the scripture says, as a deer panteth for water, so my soul pants for you. Right now, God, we, we just want you to know life is hard. There is still evil in this world, and there are storms of life. There are challenges. People question us, and we we are heartbroken at times. And so today, we just want you to know we look to you like that deer to refresh us. We, we are like David when he hung out in the caves. God, we come to you and we trust you to take up our cause, to meet our needs. You are our refuge. We thank you for your Psalms because they encourage us. We know how the words of people have been like like sharp teeth of an animal against us and we feel that pain. God, we know the the harassment and the evil of this world that presses against us. We resonate with David's words in the Psalms. But like David, we come to you. We throw ourselves before you. Like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, we say, Father, if there's any way that you can take this from us, please do. Lord, help us to know if the problems we face are our own doing or if this you is you working out your best in our life because we want your best and we trust you. You are our refuge today. We rely on you completely and wholeheartedly in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, that was so good. Didn't you enjoy that prayer? Well, would you like more help learning to pray? Then go to yournextstepnow.com. That's right, yournextstepnow.com. Give us your email and we'll give you our free prayer guide. It's an ebook. You can download it. You'll have it right there. And you can join us daily as we learn to pray. We ask God for great things. You know, it will change your life to pray daily. And we need your help. We need your support, your prayer support. So give us your email today at yournextstepnow.com. This has been Your Next Step a ministry of The Church Next Door in Columbus, Ohio. We hope this has been an encouragement to you as you seek to have a deeper faith in Christ. If you'd like to hear today's show again or share it with a friend, look for Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. We'd love to see you soon at The Church Next Door. Easily find our service times and our app. I'm Pastor Doyle Jackson. Join us again next time for Your Next Step. I believe you're going to find people that have a genuine love for God and a genuine zeal for the truth. You don't have to dress super fancy. It's so lively and it's so much fun and just you leave like, oh, so refreshed. And I know I keep saying family, but that's what this place is for me. It's family. I'm Doyle Jackson, pastor of the church next door. People keep telling me how good it is to worship God together again. Well, Come join us. Visit us online at thechurchnextdoor.org. Stories are a way we relate to one another. It's hard to underestimate their importance. Wessler Media is here to help you preserve those stories that you hold dear. We'll produce a personal podcast, an audio scrapbook that will preserve those memories for generations to come. 
Get in touch today. Call toll-free or text 1-833-38-STORY, 1-833-38-STORY, or visit wesslermedia.com. That's W-E-S-S-L-E-R media.com. The production you just heard was carefully crafted at the studios of Wessler Media. For more powerfully engaging podcasts and other audio content, visit wesslermedia.com. Stories of overcoming adversity, intense and unexpected twists and turns, education, encouragement, and plenty of those, did you hear that, moments. Hear more and talk to us about creating your own podcast, from large and detailed projects to smaller, more personal-sized productions. That's wesslermedia.com. W-E-S-S-L-E-R-Media.com.